You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 259 with Beth Miller. Welcome to The Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys, I'm super excited to have Beth on the show today. We are going to be talking about how to save your marriage when your spouse doesn't want to change. And so I thought this would be a great topic because I feel like many times one person might want to change and the other person doesn't. And then what do you do? So some of the topics that we're going to be talking about today is um, why do your marriage struggles keep persisting even after countless attempts at counseling or reading marriage books? Also, the major misconception that blocks love and connection like no other. And then lastly, we're going to talk about an easy solution to end resentment and petty arguments. So I just thought, you guys, if you're having a struggle in your marriage, especially with the pandemic and things just getting more stressful and maybe you're with each other more and you're just finding that you guys are getting on each other's nerves, I thought this episode would be great. So make sure to share this episode with others that might be struggling in their marriage. And I just hope this encourages you guys and inspires you and just gives you some tools that you can start using on your marriage today. Before we jump into the show, you guys, who wants a free mini coaching session with me? If so, I am looking for those moms that are sitting there worried that their life is too small for them. Or maybe you guys are putting yourself last and feel like you are not showing up in your life like you want to. Or maybe you're overwhelmed and you haven't lost the baby weight or you doubt yourself all the time. And for once, you wish you could have more self-confidence. So when you guys get on a call with me, I'm going to help you figure out your next steps. And what that might look like is... It might help you figure out why you're doing certain things the way you are. Like, why are you showing up the way that you are? Why are you doubting yourself? Why are you not taking that next step to achieving your dreams or your goals? Like, what is preventing you from doing that? That is what I'm going to help you with. And I'm going to help you get to your best version of yourself. And so the mini session is for me to get to know you better. I'm going to give you some coaching and we will see if this is a good fit to go forward or not. Um, So I would love to meet you. I love meeting you guys, okay? I am just like speaking to a mic, you know, to all of you. And I love connecting with you guys and finding out who you are, where you live. What are the challenges that you're having? What obstacles are you going through right now? I love all that stuff. So make sure you go to mominspiredshow.com You click the coaching tab to schedule your free 30-minute consultation with me. You can find a day and time that works best for you. If you guys cannot find a time that works best for you, or you have any questions, email me at amber at mominspiredshow.com. Again, go to mominspiredshow.com, click the coaching tab, find a day and time that works best for you. If you have any questions, email me amber at mominspiredshow.com. I can't wait to meet you guys. All right, let's go to the show. Hey, Beth, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so I like to start off the show with icebreakers, and time to time I change up the questions. So since you're on the show to talk about marriage, I was thinking I'm going to ask you a marriage question. And the question is, what do you wish you would have known before getting married? Oh, that's a good one. There's a lot of things I wish I'd known before I'd gotten married. But I think the number one thing that I've learned most recently is that you know what, I am 50% of the problem in a marriage, instead (laughs) of looking to my husband to be like, if only he would talk different, if only he would act different, I would be happier in my marriage. 
But really, a lot of that comes from me. I am I am in this marriage and I need to love myself. I need to identify what's actually going on and how that is me that's causing those troubles within the relationship instead of just blaming. So I wish I had understood the role that I am in that marriage and what am I bringing to the marriage and my like my baggage because my baggage plays a big part in any problems within the marriage. Yeah. You know, I remember when we were having our premarital counseling, um, our pastor was saying to us that um, you'll always think that you're doing more than the other person. Like it will always feel like you're doing 80% and they're doing 20 or some like ratio. And, um, but the other person feels that way too. And that has always stood out to me because it's never 50, 50, like, I mean, it, it isn't. And so, um, and it's so easy, kind of like what you're saying that you're part of the problem. Um, so it's easy to think that like, oh, you're not doing all this. And, but then if you ask them, they may be thinking the same thing. So you're kind of like, oh, okay. So we're both feeling like the other one's not doing as much. So it is, it's, it is, it takes two to tango and uh, two to be in a marriage. So, um, I liked your answer to that. And I always think too, um, I, I heard somebody say this, that, you know, the more it's something like kind of the more responsibility or, um, gosh, what did he say? The exact words, um, I I'm, I'm totally blanking, but kind of like the more responsible you are for situations, the actual, the more power you have, because then you're not just a victim to everything that's going on. It's kind of like, okay, like if, if I'm part of this problem, then how can I be part of the solution? Which I think is really great. So it just made me think that about that. That is fantastic advice. That yeah. is such good advice. I think we could end the podcast now. That's it. <laughs> and <laughs> we're done. All right, you guys, you can all go and get all your errands done. <laughs> you don't need to finish. Um, yeah, but I just thought that was so true because it kind of takes you out of that victim role and puts you into a power role of just, okay, like how can I take the self-responsibility of what's happening? And then I just think like, I think that's such a good thing for life in general, not even just marriage because then it just is, you're, it, I feel like it doesn't leave you powerless. And I think because when we feel powerless, I feel like that's when we start making different decisions and showing up differently. And like I said, like you start, you start showing up as the victim. And I don't know, that just really starts making things not pleasant for anyone. You know, when you, you know, when you're around somebody who's always in a victim role, you're kind of like, I can't even handle this. So um, anyway, I'm going to move on or I'm never going to get to the part of introducing you. So, um, okay, Beth, tell us your whole name where you live, and how many kids you have and their ages. All right. So I am Beth Miller, and I live in Canada, not too far from Toronto. I have three wonderfully crazy little men. They mm -hmm. are ages 5, 7, and 10. That's awesome. Did I answer all your questions? Yes, you did. You did. Um, Perfect. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, having boys, like how has that been for you, especially having three of them? Well, I did describe them as wonderfully crazy. They are, they're <laughs> wonderful though. They really are. They have yeah. so much energy mm -hmm. and we have a very strong like hands off policy in the house, like no wrestling because I know as they get older, there'll be whole, like holes in the walls. So yeah. often we call it, we call it indoor energy and outdoor energy. Ah. So when we get to a point where they are at their outdoor energy, we kick them outside. There's been times where I've even like physically had to pick them up and be like, you're going outside. You need to run around and I'll like yeah. lock the door and just like get out of the house Yes, because they're just, they, oh, they have so much energy, but it's incredible. And yeah. I think I'm really blessed to have three boys yeah. because 
they are the bestest friends and they're so close in age. They're about two years apart each. And I think the pandemic has brought them so close together because they were each other's buddies for 18 months at times where we couldn't play with other kids on the street. Yes. I know. I do think that's where it's hard for people who have, um, uh, single children, like only children and, um, and they didn't have, you know, other people to play with. Like, so that's where I think the bigger families, um, they had, so many more options, right. To choose from. So, um, I think that's great that you had three and that they can play together and, um, get closer and stuff like that. So, um, let's jump into, um, how you got to where you are today. So how about you share that with us? Absolutely. So I'm a teacher, teacher of like psychology and sociology. And so that was my kind of past profession. And what happened was, it was just after new year's a couple of years ago. And what happened was I slowly started to get like kind of lose my ability to walk on my right side. It was right after New Year's. So I was like on the elliptical trying to get your New Year's body resolution in shape. (laughs) And I thought it was just the elliptical, like my right side just felt like slow to react and it wasn't working as well. And I just thought, oh, maybe I should go to physio and have them have a look. But about like day two, I started to trip up the stairs. Day three, I couldn't even take a step with like, if I wanted to go for a run, my leg wouldn't even move. And I was still in denial. I was like, I should go to physio. And then finally, like day four, day five, I was like, I need to go, go to the hospital. I need to go to Emerge. And, and when I was there in Emerge, that's when they told me I was having a brain bleed. And it's kind of been a whirlwind since, but I spent a month in hospital learning how to walk again, learning how to write, because what happened was bleed was on my left frontal lobe and I lost my ability, like a lot of my motor function on my right side. Yeah, it's intense, but you know what? It came out of nowhere. I'm a healthy mom, uh, ran half marathons and I was like, how did this happen? And my life just got flipped upside down because I didn't know what my life would be like. I'm like, was I going to be able to work again? Was I going to be able to like exercise, walk the way I'm used to? And I ended up having a ton of anxiety and got got diagnosed with some depression as well, just because of the whole change in my life. And I battled with that for a good six months. And I was seeing a psychologist who was incredible, but I got to a point where I remember saying to her, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep talking back to my anxiety because I would my, my boys would be funny. They're like, mom's crying again because this was during the pandemic. So we were oh, home together. Wow. And I was like, and so talking to them about that too, being like, mom's okay. This isn't you. Mom's just having a sad moment and trying to make sure that Aww. they're not internalizing that because I don't want them to think that yeah. they're the reason for my sadness. So um, just talking back to myself, being like, your brain's not going to bleed. You are in the right place. And at this moment, you're safe. And I just, I remember thinking there's got to be more. And fortunately enough, I got. Um, in touch with a social worker who's a shaman and she taught me really how to get down into these deep subconscious beliefs Mm. where we store all these memories and with these memories we have these beliefs and thoughts which create all our emotions in the way we like we we react in situations so um and that started me on this journey where I now help women um create like better marriages where they are happy and they're no longer the victim like we talked Mm. earlier where they truly are empowered in the relationship and they they're just so much happier with that love, the connection and support that they need from their husband, they actually get. So um, it started off as kind of trying to co- overcome some anxiety and depression and turned into saving marriages. That is awesome. Well, and I wanted to ask you, like, so how is your whole head situation now? Like, I mean, are you completely healed or is that something that you have to just keep an eye on? Like, how does that work? 
Yeah, it's kind of a monitor thing at this mm, point. What, okay. ca- what, cause, what caused the bleed is still there. It's called a cavernomous malformation for anyone who feels like oh. Googling that. <laughs> um, so it's this little like genetic thing that I've had since birth. And oh, it just happened to, ra- ra- yeah, just happened to randomly bleed. And um, hopefully it never does that again. But right now I'm doing amazing. Like physically, I, I could run again and mm. I worked my butt off. And yeah. it's amazing what the power of the mind can do. And yeah. Yeah, I'm doing much better. Thank That's you for awesome. asking. Yes. Okay, so let's jump into the topic of marriage. Um, And you know, you were just talking about the pandemic and all that. So I wanted to touch on this because I think an issue that a lot of couples are having is couples working from home. Or if you have a stay-at-home mom, I mean, you could have a stay-at-home dad, but since moms are listening, if, if they stay at home and then they're used to having the house to themselves with the kids or with the kids going to school and the husband's not normally home, and then now he's home and he's working from home and they're together all the time. And it's like 24-7, you're crossing over each other, you're in each other's way all the time. And you're trying to not get on each other's nerves, but you're kind of like, oh my gosh, like, is this just going to be how it is for the rest of our lives? You know, because here's the thing, like most people are not thinking like they're jumping into like retirement life, you know, at the ages of 40, 35, whatever, right? Where you're like, oh, we're just with each other all the time now. (laughs) But now you add in, yeah, you're not even retired. You're still living your normal life. You have smaller children, most likely. So now you're trying to do that with people being home together. And, you know, you don't want to be upset and you don't want to get frustrated and you want to be able to kind of manage your mind. So I'm, I'm a life coach. And so a lot of things that I work on with my clients is kind of just working on your thoughts and, and, and how that creates your feelings and all this kind of stuff. And so, especially if you let your mind go bonkers. Like it's just going to give you, it's going to, it's just going to produce results that you don't want, but sometimes you just can't, it's like, you can't pull it in, right? Like you sometimes can't turn it around. You want to go into that victim mode. You want to be like, this sucks. Like, like, oh my gosh, like he's leaving his stuff everywhere. Or how many times is he putting the dishes on the counter? And you're just dreaming back of the day when you're like, oh, it just used to be me at home and the house stayed clean. (laughs) I'm just wondering, like, what is your thoughts with the people that are struggling with having to be in each other's space all the time now, and they weren't used to having that? Oh, there's so many. I can think of at least three, three solid reasons why that could be happening. Sure. The first one, the first one would be, you know what, if there were any struggles or problems within the relationship, when you are forced to live in such like tight quarters together, what happens is a lot of times those problems get magnified. So it's like putting your relationship under a microscope, because all of a sudden you can't escape them. Uh, You're together 24 seven and anything that was bothering you before, you just see it times 10 because you're with each other all day. So if you haven't maybe had the strongest relationship in regards to communication. If you find that you are nagging, kind of bickering back and forth, those will be magnified, which just creates a toxic environment to live in. So I'd say that would probably be number one is things get magnified. Number two, I think what happens was our roles shifted so much during the pandemic. Um, So moms, a lot of time, if you're working and dads, you're both working, you're also teacher, you're also the cook, you're doing so much during the day. And we're not wired for that. We're wired to be out working, then come home and switch gears instead of wearing so many hats all day long. And then the third one, the third one was really, it's just, it's, it wasn't something we were prepared for. It wasn't like, 
we got to take that marriage course ahead of time being like, this is how you should communicate together. Every, <laughs> and like, this is the kind other. of stuff like <laughs> all the time. Yes, yes. No, no one, no one gave us the pandemic manual being like, and everything was changing so fast. All of a sudden kids are home and all of a sudden they're having to learn a certain way. And then learning changed a different way because I don't oh, know, yeah. like I know at our school, like mm-hmm. it was very much self-directed for a little yes. bit. The teachers would be like, here's the book you're going to work through. And then all of a sudden the teachers were on live and the kids were there like six hours a day on yeah. a computer. So things just kept changing. It was just chaos, right? And that created kind of chaos in the house. So, oh, there's multiple reasons why, but I think the magnifying glass is a big one. Um, anything that was happening really forced you to go inward and see what is the root cause of why our marriage is this way. And am I going to play victim and blame it on the pandemic? Or, you know what, am I going to be empowered and be like, this is an opportunity for me to really kind of do some searching on the inside to figure out what's going on here. How can I fix it? Yeah. So what would be your suggestion for people who you know, they kind of needed to have that space. Like they, they enjoy that. They don't want to be on top of each other all the time, but they also want to show up loving and not come off like they hate each other. And so do you have any suggestions of like how to navigate that? Um, so they could just show up their best, right? Like even if they're not getting the circumstance or the situation that they would like, meaning having more space, it's like, how do you create that with Um, an environment that you did not choose or you may not, you might have not preferred that? Yeah. So the number one thing that I would suggest is when you're in a situation, like an interaction with your partner, or you're just feeling like things are too close, like you're just on top of each other, you don't even have an office, you're working from your dining room table with your kids as well, is to look at the situation and be like, what is triggering me and what emotion is coming up right now? So this helps us figure out if it's two things. Number one, if it's a trigger and there's something within you that you can work on, or if number two, it's a boundary, a boundary that's being crossed, like a personal boundary, a time boundary, space boundary. Um, Often it's the triggering something from your past. Um, You might be like if all of a sudden your your husband's leaving crumbs on the counter and you're feeling angry because again, there's crumbs on the counter. Um, that could be like this really big clue into that. You know what? You just, when, th- when you were younger, things were very much tidy and organized within your house. And you might've been scolded as a child being like, wipe up your crumbs, put your dishes in the sink. And now you're in a relationship with a partner who maybe doesn't have that same kind of core authentic value. And you're projecting your own childhood, like this is the way things are supposed to be. But instead of being able to recognize that, it just kind of comes out in this anger, this anger and this frustration within your relationship. So really got to look at what is the situation? What feeling is coming up? And is this something that I need to kind of own, forgive, accept in my life? Or is it a boundary? Like this is firm. I need the crumbs cleaned up. And that's such a simple example, but it's Mm. these simple things that compound and layer up. And then all of a sudden your cup overflows and our cups, oh, they were overflowing. I know so many moms that, (laughs) and dads too, right? But like, it was hard. It's hard. Yeah, it was hard. And, and people are still in it, um, depending on what their situations are. So, um, yeah, and that's definitely why I wanted to talk to you about that. Um, so the main reason we had you come on is because I know that, um, you wanted to talk about this subject. And so how about we jump into that and, and what it is, is how to save your marriage with a partner who doesn't want to change, which I think is so amazing because I think it is so easy to talk to people about this topic when the person, when both people are willing to kind of, um, take stock and, and be like, okay, I'm willing to, you know, give and take and do all that stuff. 
But the people that are out there and they're like, you know what? Like my spouse doesn't want to change. Like they don't have any problem. They feel like things are fine or they think it's my fault. And so I thought this was really great um, to be able to speak to those people. Um, So your first question um, that you had is why do your marriage struggles keep persisting even after countless attempts at counseling um, or even reading marriage um, help books? What is your thoughts on that? Yeah, my big thought on this, and I think you would agree too with your life coach practice, is we have two minds. We have our conscious mind and our subconscious mind. So in our conscious mind, we're like, oh, you know what? I know I should be happier. or I know I should be able to just ignore the laundry on the floor. But what happens is you do that for a week or two. And then all of a sudden you're back into your old arguments. It's like someone can put the the record back on and you're having the same silly fights. Maybe it's a different topic, but it all kind of stems back to Mm -hmm. the same thing. And so the reason that happens is because we're trying to process and change on the conscious level. Well, really in our subconscious, that's where we have all these kind of memories. Like maybe it's the first two, three, four fights you had. And then from that, you have this belief, like he doesn't love me because, or he doesn't accept me or he doesn't like validate my feelings. He doesn't hear me or see me. I'll just go back to that silly laundry on the floor. But I've asked him so many times to pick up his laundry and he just keeps ignoring me. And so we start to create a story around that. So then we have a belief that, you know what, he doesn't hear me. He doesn't care about me. And so that memory of the laundry on the floor creates that belief. We then have an emotion of like, I'm so angry. I'm just so frustrated. I'm so unappreciated. And then you start to feel resentful. And that creates our habits because then you start to act a certain way around your husband when those things keep happening. And so until we can get into that subconscious mind and start to kind of pick away at those layers, we will then often have the same repetitive patterns within our marriage. So counseling is fantastic. I'm all for it. But sometimes it goes really well with the work I do when we can get into the subconscious mind and clear out some of those ingrained beliefs that we've had for years and beliefs around our marriage that we just don't even recognize on the surface day to day. Yes, I totally agree. And it is, it's, it's very interesting how um, you don't even realize the things that you're thinking because they're so, you know, they're in your subconscious and um, you may be rea- reacting a certain way and you don't even know why. Um, so I love that you talked about that. Um, the second question that I have for you is what is the major misconception that blocks love and connection um, like no other? Oh, you know what it is? It's our inner child. So our inner child is this like this beautiful piece of us from childhood, that childhood, teenage years, that's just so playful, fun, and just has this like kind of unleashed love of life. But our inner child is also this wounded child, this aspect of you that maybe experienced many or major traumas in their life. And many could be maybe watching someone get bullied or in grade two, you saw someone raise their hand and say four plus four is six. And then the class laughed at them. And you're like, oh, you know what? I'm never putting my hand up because I don't want the class to laugh at me if I'm wrong. And so, and it could also be like if there was a death in the family and you were just really sad, but no one addressed your feelings. So it's all these feelings that we didn't really understand or process or have a parent really there to help help us understand what was going on and kind of figure out how that fit into the world. And we take this inner child and these unprocessed motions into our adulthood. And what happens is kind of like the pandemic was a magnifying glass. Romantic relationships are a magnifying glass for our inner shadow. So they, these hidden things get resurfaced. Our needs from that weren't met as a child, like not feeling loved, not feeling appreciated. We then pick partners off and where we want to 
feel that love and we don't get it. And then we feel like it's their fault when really it was just an aspect of us that needed a little bit more nurturing as a child. So when we can go inward and kind of reparent ourselves and we can do that on a subconscious level and you're in a deep meditation. And that's what I work with work with um with the women I work with is we get them to a point where they can really you know what my parents divorce isn't my fault Mm. it's because often kids blame themselves for their parents divorce it's you can look at it and be like you know what that was my parents doing that was their choice they still loved me and this isn't my doing so when we can go back to these little mini major traumas from our past all of a sudden we heal those and those things like not feeling loved or feeling like blame, like everything's my fault in our mm. current romantic relationships and our marriage. We yeah. no longer take blame. Like sometimes your husband might just drop a dish on the floor and he's all <laughs> upset. And sometimes we're like, oh, I feel bad. I'm so sorry you dropped it. But like, why are you apologizing? Like, why am I apologizing? Like, <laughs> right. I didn't have anything to do with it, but he's upset. And I feel like I want to make it better. I want to yes. make his emotions like happier. So when we can really deal with that inner child and just give it the love, the forgiveness, the acceptance it didn't get as a child, then all of a sudden we have it in our adult relationships. Yeah, that is very interesting. And so do you feel like it that does block you from sometimes receiving love and connection though because if you haven't really worked on that, it's it, it's like you it's almost like you can't allow yourself that. Is that what you're kind of saying? Yeah, absolutely. Um so for instance, like it could be as simple as like a birthday party. Like you had a birthday party, there was a big snowstorm. Here I am in Canada, big snowstorm. Yeah. All of a sudden your your five-year-old friends can't come. Mm. Sure, there was a snowstorm. So your conscious adult brain would be like, there's I a snowstorm, see. your friends can't come. But as a child, you're like, no one likes me because they didn't come. Like we create these little stories because we don't have the mature like thinking at that age. And so later on in life, you might feel like, oh, if you have a party and people aren't coming, they're like, it probably means they don't like me when really they might have their own agenda. So when you can go back and be like, you know what, I am worthy. I am Mm -hmm. like, I am valued. People do like me. And that was really, it's so silly. Like it really impacts, it really impacts your childhood Mm -hmm. and these beliefs that we create around ourselves with that mind. That's not an adult mind and how it kind of spins things. And when we can go back and give ourselves that. So our subconscious has every memory stored in it from our childhood and from our past. And so when we can go back, we don't necessarily relive our past. We actually Mm. get to look at it from this like empowered piece where you can reconnect with that aspect of yourself and give it what it needed. So it's kind of like a fun detective process where you get to uncover it. And you don't know what that, you don't know, like me just sitting here, I can't tell you what's kind of in my backpack of shadows. Um, You really have to get into a still place where we Mm. can quiet that conscious mind, that thinking, planning, analyzing mind. And then you can get in there and your subconscious just reveals it to you. You don't have to go in and do all this thinking, be like, hmm, what happened when I was five? And I don't remember anything, but your subconscious will just tell you. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, I didn't even know that was there. Yeah, that is so interesting. I love that. Um, Okay. So your third one is what is an easy solution to end resentment and a petty argument forever? And I just love that question because I do think that's just such an easy thing um, that people can get stuck on and then they hold on to it and they won't let it go. So I would love to hear your response. Oh, this is such a beautiful thing to do and it can be so hard. So it takes a little bit of time of training, but if you can figure out who your authentic self is, and of course it sounds so silly, my authentic self, 
but what really is an authentic you? What is that? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I always describe it to the ladies I work with as maybe a time in your life. You could be back when you're a teenager in your 20s when you just felt unstoppable. It could have been a night out on the town where you just love the way you look, the dress, like you're just dancing it up and or could have been a time when you're on stage performing or a sporting event where you're just like, you know what? Nothing can knock me down. I feel so confident. I feel so worthy of what's happening. And you can say whatever you want, but nothing's going to you feel unstoppable, really. So if you can go back to that time and just like embody that, like, can you imagine it like that incredibleness you felt like you're on top of the world? And you go back to that, you kind of take that energy in, and you just, uh, you just like slow down and you breathe that in. Um, And I'll just before I go into the next step, if you've never had that time in your life, you can create it like, can you imagine what it would feel like, or maybe what your older self in like five years could feel possibly. And you embody that feeling and you you slowly and you like calmly start to talk to your partner and you hear what they're saying and you don't take it personally. You hear it as their words. And because when we communicate with our partner, we have to understand that they have an inner child too. They have these shadows from their past and their own insecurities and their own feelings of maybe not being loved or accepted. And when you can come from a place where you're just feeling awesome and you see them for who they are, you no longer play victim. You no longer think that things are my fault. They're just trying to blame me. And it changes the dynamics of the conversation because all of a sudden your partner who's used to you starting to like retaliate or start a fight, not even start a fight, but like come back with the same sort of defensive words you've used before. All of a sudden it changes because you're not fighting back. You're hearing them and you're accepting their words and validating like, I understand that, you know what, I went to Costco and I spent $100 more than I should have on the budget. And I know that worries you um, versus being like, I did all this work. I went to the store. You shouldn't care what like that I spent more than $100. So um, when you can just see them for who they are and you feel so good, your words come out like so well because Mm. it's you. It's truly your heart words. Yes. Yes. I love that. Well, and I'm stuck on if anybody can go to Costco and stay under a hundred dollars, I mean, they're a hero of my book. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I know yeah, you're using yeah, no that kidding. as an example. <laughs> um, I love that because um, that's kind of along the work that um, you know I kind of help my clients with, and it, it goes back to what I said at the beginning, where you're really taking the power back. And it's like, you're taking responsibility. So it's like, you're not letting the other person's thoughts and then feelings kind of, you know, overshadow everything. Like they can think that cause you can't obviously control what their thoughts are. Um, and so I was wondering if you had another example that you could give to somebody that, you know, maybe they really struggle with resentment. Um, and just, or maybe they just, they're just tired of having these same old annoying arguments with their spouse. And they're just kind of like, oh my gosh, like, are we going to have this argument one more time? So like, is there something else that you could, um, you know, describe like a situation, more of a vis- visualization to you? Um, the Costco one was perfect. Um, just cause I, I just want to leave the listeners as we kind of wrap this up. Um, just with another, another takeaway, especially on this topic, cause I think this can really, I feel like this can really damage a relationship with resentment and stuff like that. Cause you just hold on to it. And then it just, you know, you can't thrive when you're resent resenting your partner, right? Like you're just, if you're just holding on to it. So do you have any other um, suggestions or examples that you would like to give? Sure. I'll give you another one. So okay. 
I know a lot of us, they have, we have really young children at different times in our lives. And as moms, kind of like you said, we sometimes feel like we're doing 80% of the work, just like your, your uh, counselor said when you did your marriage counseling or your kind of premarital counseling. Yeah, right. And we feel so resentful because we feel unappreciated. We're doing all this work. And so one example is like, in my even in my own life, my husband loves to sleep in. Mm. And so I'd be up with the kids at 6am and he'd be sleeping in. And that would cause so many disagreements in our house. And mm. uh, this was before I started this work. So if only yeah. I'd known what I'd known. And I just thought if he would just change, our marriage would be so much better. But then when you go into this, and I have this great resource, if anyone wants to go to my website, I have a true you hypno journey. It's this uh, deep meditation that you can download. And what happens, it'll take you to a place where you just feel so authentically you and show you how to navigate some of these situations. But what happened was when I get into my subconscious, I realized that I'm calling him lazy. I think he's lazy Mm. because he's sleeping in. And then what happens is I'm actually worried that by him doing that behavior, I might turn into my mom because my mom works so hard. My dad, my dad, was the breadwinner and my mom pretty much raised us. Mm. And so I was worried that I'm going to become my mom. My dad's going to be working long hours and I'm not going to see him. So I thought that's what our relationship was going to turn into. That I am going to be my mom and Mm -hmm. I'm going to raise the kids on my own, even though it's just as simple as him sleeping in. But I thought I was creating, creating this, uh, kind of like a standard that he can sleep in. So I'd fight him on that because I didn't want him to keep sleeping in and then I'm doing all the work when really his like authenticity is like, I'm just not a morning person. And so it does, I don't need to accept that what he's doing is right, but I can accept where, why I'm upset. And it's Mm, because of my own inner shadows being like, I don't want to turn into that kind of relationship. So when you can realize where, what the root is of your anger, your frustration, your resentment, and how maybe that's playing like how does our past play into our present? Is he actually giving me a reason to be upset, like that upset because he's sleeping in? Um, and then from there, you can try and troubleshoot it more, like start to come up with a schedule or try to compromise a bit more. But instead of just l- unleashing your anger because they're sleeping in again, and that's just something that's so simple. But a lot of us feel unresent, yeah. sorry, feel resentful over like dinner time, bedtime, bath sure. time, especially with um, little kids. When- oh yes. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I love that example because, and I think too, like where, um, and I, and I have a feeling like moms with young kids, they're like, okay, so great. Like, okay, the husband is not a morning person, but that's when the kids want to wake up, right? They're like knocking on my door at 5 a.m. So convenient for him that he's not a morning person. So then I'm like handling all that. And then if the other person is staying up late, well, the kids are probably sleeping. So it's like, okay. So there, I can see where someone's mind would go. You're not dealing with them in the evening because they're already sleeping. And that's where I think too, like you can ask, you know, like, Hey, so you slept in. So from like 12 to two or 10 to 12 or whatever, be like, I would love to get the stuff done. And, you know, if you can kind of be in charge of the kids, that would be great. And so, and again, people may be like, yeah, my husband's not going to do that. And and it goes back to what you were just saying about you can't control the other person. You can't control their thoughts. You can't, you're saying too, like you may not even agree with it. You're just like, but you can, you can think differently about it. So I do love that. And again, it goes back to the whole thing that I started with. This is why you were like, we can end the show now. It's like, you just take the power back right in your own hands so that you it's just don't so feel, true. yeah. So that you don't feel like the victim. Okay. So I wanted, I, I know we're, we're going over the 30 minute mark. I just wanted to end with this Beth. Um, I, I know with the pandemic and 
so many moms were with like all the people at home, like the kids, the dog, the husband, whatever. Right. And it's just like chaotic. And you're just like, you never get a break. You never get a moment to yourself. Like someone's knocking on the door when you're in the bathroom. Like literally, you're no, like everywhere you go is someone. Yet I do think so many women um, felt lonely and still could feel lonely at this time. Um, any thoughts on that? Like feeling lonely, especially within a marriage and especially with a, within a family, which I think is hard for your brain to wrap around because you're like, how could I be lonely? I'm with all these people. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you aren't lonely. And so do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, I do. I actually love that you said that because isn't it funny that you can feel lonely with so many people around you? So this is a time where you can really just get still. I love journaling. So to grab a journal and start writing out like, why, why am I lonely and play the why game? I like to play the why game like five levels down. Like, why am I lonely? I'm lonely because you know what, my husband doesn't sit on the couch and watch TV with me at night. And why is that important that your husband sits on the couch and watches TV? Because then I get some physical like cuddles. Why is it important to have physical cuddles? Um, And then you go down these five layers of whys to get to the root cause of maybe your loneliness. Um, It's, it makes my, makes me feel more connected to my husband when we have cuddles. And when I'm connected, I then don't feel as lonely. I feel heard, I feel seen. So um, often the feeling lonely isn't necessarily having the physical people around around you all the time because there's so many times we're like if you would just get all get out of my space there's just too right. much going yeah. on all the time but the loneliness is something else so just getting to the root of that is it maybe that you need to love yourself more do you like you can say do I love myself and so many of us would be like yeah yeah I love myself but really like get still with that do you love yourself or are you using self-hate language like oh I'm so stupid or I hate when I do that or I'm never going to do that again so really getting in deep to figure out where a lot of these words are coming from and monitoring your language. And I love the why game. So that would be my big suggestion is identify what you feel and then ask yourself why, and then keep asking yourself why about four more times to get to the root. Yeah, that's perfect. Because it would be so easy just to stop at the first one and then just be like, "Ah, I don't know, but to keep going, I think that is great. So um, I'm so glad that I asked that question. Well, Beth, I could keep talking to you about this, but I'm going to wrap it up. It was so great speaking with you. And I just know that so many moms, I I feel like this will kind of give them just some bite-sized pieces to kind of just think about and, you know, especially if they're struggling right now. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, it was wonderful. It was such a fun conversation. Hey, you guys, have you grabbed your free mini session with me yet? If not, go to mominspiredshow.com, click the coaching tab, and then find a day and time that works best for you. If you cannot find a time that works for you, email me at amber at mominspiredshow.com. If you have any questions, feel free to email me. I can't wait to meet you. All right, you guys, I'll see you next week. <laughs>